Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. The Stonehill series. It looks like you found your instrument this week. The knocking actually worked. I was surprised. I didn't think it would even come through. Sometimes it edits uh, sounds out that it thinks are irrelevant. I thought it would probably not um, eliminate that, but nope, it had it there. All right, so Stonehill College is a private Roman Catholic liberal arts college in eastern Massachusetts. It was founded in 1948 and is located on the original state of Frederick Lothrop Amos Jr., with 29 buildings that complement the original Georgian-style Amos Mansion. Stonehill's engineering majors spend their last four semesters of undergraduate education at the University of Notre Dame. Ooh, that's kind of a long way away. Notre Dame's Illinois. I know. Yeah, I don't know. There is actually a Notre Dame in uh, Baltimore. Because when I moved to America, I'd heard of Notre Dame. And um, I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, that's in Baltimore? I was like, cool. And then it's a completely different... I don't know where it is. I've never seen it since. Perhaps it's not Baltimore. Perhaps it's Maryland. Uh, but I remember seeing it. Um, Stonewall's sister institution, another Holy Cross school. The athletics department fields 21 competitive NCAA Division One intercollegiate varsity sports. And the college's combination of academic and athletic success has gammed... Gammered? I think that's the word. Stonehill, the number four ranking in the country among NCAA Division II schools. What? Uh, D2? Okay, so They're that like was, was like, yeah, so it said it was Division One, and then suddenly it said it was Division Two, and then I had to carry on reading, because I was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, on April 5th, 2022, Stonehill announced a transition to Division One sports, with most of the teams joining the Northeast Conference, and men's ice hockey becoming a Division One independent for the 22-23 season. So, how do you decide? How do you get to change to a different school? I don't know that either. I have no idea. I assume you have to be accepted into it. There's obviously certain standards, but I don't know. So obviously, with Coppin being Division One and uh, I didn't Stonehill know that... not being Division One, they obviously don't really have any history together. But yeah, I don't know. I'm really curious. I didn't curious. know Coppin was a D one school. Coppin's D one, yeah. I didn't know until like last week. You didn't? What do you think they were? I don't know what college. <laughs> you just I thought didn't... it was a college team. Yeah, just, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Why would I think that they were going to be D1? I don't know, because I thought we'd talked about that before. Okay, oh, no. all right. Um, the alumni. Now, there's only a couple of these ones, and you asked me who famous there was, because you know I looked this up. And I was like, nobody I've ever heard of, but there's some interesting people. So the first one was uh, Dick Flavin, who was a poet laureate of the Red Sox. Now, I don't know if you know what a poet laureate is. No. It's like a paid poet for, like, a group. It's... Professional, and I was like, for the Red Sox, I'm like, that's not a poet society or anything. So I was like, all right, you have my attention. Um, in 2001, Flavin took the road trip of a lifetime for a baseball fan when he drove by car from Massachusetts to Florida with Boston Red Sox greats Dominic DiMaggio, that's Joe's brother, and Johnny Pesky to visit with Ted Williams, who was gravely ill. In order to justify his presence with three heroes from his boyhood, Flavin wrote Casey at the Bat and converted it into Teddy at the Bat, tweaking the poem's plotline so that Ted did not disappoint the fans. Flavin recited it in front of the three old players for what he thought would be the only time, but word of the reconfigured poem got out back in Boston. He was asked to reprise the recita recitation of Fenway Park several months later at a memorial when Williams died. David Halberstein, Pulitzer-winning author, heard of the road trip and wrote a book about it. 
Um, I've read the book. That's how Williams was frozen and not dead. Wait, well, he's, <laughs> uh, he's dead, but he's frozen and dead. So they're hoping they can make him undead once they have the medical technology to be able to do that. So they're just going to keep him frozen for like That's, thousands of years? I don't know. I guess until how long it takes. I don't know how long your contract works for things like cryogenics. But uh, right now he's frozen. I don't know how. If you, I assume you have to pay by the year. Uh, I don't know. But right now after, he's. they don't have the, the medical technology. So. After all the film. After all the people who pay for a die, um, would they just not freeze? Well, that's a great question. I guess you'd have to leave some money there, right? You'd have to set some money into an account, and then they'll take some money each time. I would assume the cost would have to keep going up. Like It's obviously more than $1,000 a year, but supposing it was $1,000. In 20 years, that's not going to be anywhere near. It's going to cost more to keep all those processes inflation. running and stuff. So inflation, absolutely. So I don't know how that works exactly. Um, Flavin was inspired to write more poems about the Red Sox and was named their Poet Laureate as well as becoming in 2013 the public address announcer for day games at Fenway. Uh, he made appearances for the team when he recited his verses and in 2015 he compiled his poems into a book called Red Sox Rhymes, Verses and Curses. So that was the book I was like, I gotta get that book. So I went onto Amazon, it was like 20 something dollars, I was like, oh that sounds, that's fine, I was like, I'll get it anyway. But then the audiobook was $3 on Barnes & Noble. So I bought the I bought the audiobook, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. And now I'm reading through this, I remembered why I wanted to buy it. I want to know what the case, you know Casey at the Bat story, right? You don't know Casey at the Bat? Oh my goodness. No. All right, well, we need to talk about that in a future episode. But I wanted to hear the Ted Williams one, uh, for sure. I wanted to hear the rewritten version of that. So um, I, once I've listened to it, um, I don't obviously I can't play the real thing because it's in his voice, but I'm sure the written words part is you can re recite poems and things like that. So I'll be doing that. Um, the other person was James Lou Gorman, general manager for the Red Sox from 1984 to 93. A native of South Providence, Rhode Island, Gorman grew up a Red Sox fan. At the high school level, he was an excellent athlete. He was nicknamed after Lou Gehrig. Wow, that's pretty impressive. His baseball reference player page records that Gorman played in 16 games for the 1948 Providence Grays, compiling a batting average of .036. He went 1 for 28. Now that's way under the Mando sign. Uh, Gorman resumed his baseball career. I don't even know you career. have a 0.00. .00. Uh, if you've got 0.0, .0 that's not a good sign. It means you're batting under 100, 100 so that's not good. Uh, Gorman joined the Orioles, Major oh. League front office in 1964, an assistant farm system director working under Harry Dalton. He was promoted to play development in 66 when the Orioles won their first world championship. When Gorman took over general manager, the Red Sox already had players like Roger Clemens, Wade Boggs and Dwight Evans, stars that would form the nucleus of the talented Red Sox teams of the late 80s. However, it was Gorman's acquisition of Dave Henderson and Spike Owen and closer Calvin Schiraldi that helped the Red Sox to the 1986 World Series. Uh, unfortunately, they did lose that. And Lou Gorman Field is the home of Stonehill Baseball. The facility was relocated in 2005 to accommodate the construction of WB Mason Stadium and currently measures 325 to left what is that? and 390 to center. That's their baseball stadium. Their home stadium is called Lou Gorman Field. So I was like, oh, I have to tell you about who Lou Gorman is then on the basis of that. But yeah, obviously I wasn't a Red Sox fan in the 80s, so it wasn't a name that was uh, uh, that I recognized straight away. And um, I was finding a lot of cool stuff on their website. Um, it was easy to find their scores. Um, there's some very up and down scores on here though, JJ. A lot of ones uh, this is from, so I got the Coppin State scores on here, but here's some of the other scores from the start of the season. Um, so they played Tarleton State University, who I've never actually heard. Uh, they lost 
then 14-4, then 16-4, then 22-6. They then lost to Kansas City State University 25-3, uh, then lost to Army 26-3. So There's a lot of 3s, 4s, and 6s. <laughs> there's a lot of 20s in there as well. Uh, so not the greatest start to the season. Now, that wasn't the reason I actually included it in here. The reason I included it in is we know that the attendance at most Coppin Gate seems to be exactly 100 people. Um, here we oh, go. We have some numbers for these ones here. Uh, 378. That's quite a good attendance, right? 540, 500, 777, 1,300. Oh, some of these were away games, of course. 1,324, 327, 1,228, 206, 175. Um, the game at Sacred Heart University, zero. <laughs> the second game at Sacred Heart, zero. Dead. The third Dead. game at Sacred Heart, 307. Dead. So I want to know, one of those is a double header. The first game of the doubleheader, the attendance was zero. The second game of the doubleheader was 307. All right, can you work that one out for me? <laughs> I don't understand what that was at the all. the second one? 307. So nobody wanted to go see the first game, but 307 people went to the second game. You just think they didn't bother, they didn't record it, so they just put zero? Yeah. Uh, Long Island, 120, and then 100, and then 80, 71. Uh, at UMass Lowell, zero. Yeah. <laughs> Norfolk State, 149, 139, 139. Ah, oh, come on, Norfolk State. You would put the same number. You didn't even check. Uh, eight, uh, 50, 60, 70, 80. And then it's the Coppin State attendances. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do, how do thousand people decide to attend a college game? Oh, there's some teams that are massive. College is, like, huge for them. If they're a top 25 team, if you're in, like, Texas or in Florida, that's a really big thing. Baseball like is huge there. Uh, FSU, probably, somebody like that. Miami, that would be a big team as well. Texas, I don't know Texas so as well. So what were the teams that, that had a 1,000 attendants? Um, was that first? Uh, hold on, sorry. It was uh, Kansas State University and Army. Army's going to be because there's going to be people on campus who are just going to watch the game. So they can go out there. The reason it's so big there, like, if I asked you if for Texas, like, Texas is huge. Besides the kind of big teams, outside of that, there is, there's not much to see. So you go and see your local high school team. You go see your local college team. Like college, um, high school sports in Texas are huge. Like some of their stadiums, they spend a hundred million on a stadium just for it's crazy. How much they spend. It's crazy how much that they obviously use it for other things as well. Um, but yeah, no, they have massive scoreboards and they have every. It's a really big deal. But they get thousands and thousands of people who go and see their games, and they're paying dollars and dollars to get in there. So no, it's like a really big deal for uh, for those types of teams. So I like the fact that um, not all get... So a lot of other teams do seem to actually put their numbers in there as well. The other thing I thought was really cool on this page is there's a 17-page PDF guide for visiting team members. Hmm. So it tells you everything. That, um, um, visiting teams know where to go. They know where to go. They know all that stuff. So they have a campus map. Directions, where to park, hotels, food recommendations. Now, we talked about on the last um, episode, uh, the UMass thing. Like, we had no idea where to go. It was really... So this, they have a map. Everything's labeled. So as you're pulling in, the bus driver could check ahead of time. So if it's not... If you can't plug it straight into your GPS, you know exactly where to go. Now, this part was interesting to me, JJ. Um, the following supplies will be available for each sporting event. So what do you think, then, the other team has to provide? Any ideas? I don't know. Nothing? You just yeah. turn up? So you have to bring your own water to the game? <laughs> um, they probably provide water and foods. Uh -huh. Alright, so it tells you that the, this team, and only four teams do this, but they provide you with ice, ice bags, water, cups, AED. I'm not even sure what that is. 
Uh, Disaid stuff. Splints. Um, splint? Crutches. If you like the the thing, for, if you get a broken leg, like okay. the the stick part. Okay. Uh, crutches. Radio communications. Taping errors. Um, and in certain circumstances, additional supplies will be available to a specific sport. We cannot provide tape and other supplies, but we'd gladly help your athletes if they bring their own supplies. I thought that was really interesting. Like, I would have never even... We don't even think of that. We just watch the game. But obviously, the people who help the team out, like, um, they have to think about all that stuff. Like, what do you need to bring with you? Like, there's always a trainer there to help out. But yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, in late 2002... The Strategic Planning Committee determined that the previous Stonehill College mascot, the Chieftain, was disrespectful to Native Americans and decided it would change its name. Alright, can you remember what the nickname was then for Stonehill? No. Alright, well the suggested names were, or popular names were, Summit, Skyhawks, Saints, Wolfpack... Wait, that was Skyhawks. It was. Crusaders, Mission, Shovelmakers... And Blizzard. Now, I don't know if Stonehill, if that's what they were, what they did in that town, Eastern, whether they made shovels and whether they're famous for that. It's not a very exciting nickname, though. It's not particularly catchy, either. Uh, and Blizzard. I don't know. I don't know if that's to do with the weather. Um, during 2005, they officially changed their name to the Stonehill Skyhawks. Um, the actual... I, re- I remembered, because I remembered their batting, re- their, like, um, scouting reports. Uh-huh. Do you know what a Skyhawk is? No. It's not a bird. <laughs> that surprised me when it's I read it. Because I was like, I was like, I know what a hawk is, obviously, but I was like, I don't know what a skyhawk is. I've never heard of that. Do, is it um a type of hawk that lives underground? Uh, no, it's not. I just said it's not a bird. All right, I'll tell you. After the school's property was bought by Holy Cross, the airfield... A college has an airfield? Like, what? Like, I've never heard of a college having an I airfield mean, before. I actually, Dad, probably Air Force probably. Well, that would be you would expect them to have it. But, but anything else? If I'd have said, if I named colleges and said, do you think they have an airport? You're gonna go no, 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 no. Um, so they leased the airfield to the Navy during World War Two and private companies before and after the war until it was closed in 1955 due to increasing student enrollment. That might be a little dangerous. Students walking around on airplanes coming into land. Like you got to be a little careful. The Navy used the field for training exercises and would employ. The Skyhawk aircraft between 1954 and 1995. So next time we go to the um, like the Smithsonian in uh, at Dulles, we'll have to see if we can find um, a Skyhawk uh, uh, plane in there. So um, Stonehill, yeah. W- yeah. Why don't we just go to like a plane museum? That is a plane museum. Oh. Have you not? Do you not remember the Dulles Museum? That big hangar that they have with all the planes hanging up there, things like that. It's like the biggest example of a plane museum in the world, probably. I don't remember. Although that one they we went just to, have like ten hangers. That one we went back to on the way from Cincinnati was pretty impressive, though. That was pretty oh, yeah, big yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, ten had game like, losing. Had like a two hundred fifty foot plane, <laughs> and I stood under it, and like you could barely see. Yeah, they had a lot of stuff there. Um, Ten-game losing streak for Stonehill heading into this one. We did mention the fact that coming up, Stonehill um, had the the worst record in the uh, NEC. And then the series after this, and the next episode, we'll be talking about Central Connecticut State, which has their best record in the NEC. So, how did they get on in this one, then? Tell us about Game 1, JJ. Alright, Game 1, they... Um, Coppin lost 11-6 to to Stonehill. Okay. In the second inning, Stonehill got two. In the fourth, Stonehill got one. In the fifth, Stonehill got one and Coppin got four. In the seventh, Coppin got two. In the eighth, Stonehill got four. In the ninth, Stonehill got three. 
All right, so for people that weren't keeping track of that, what does that actually mean? Uh, they lost 11-6. Oh, so they managed to snap a 10-game streak. Now, I did it differently this week. Normally, I kind of paste it in. I just printed it out for you. And um, I tried to... I saved the PDF on my computer. And while you were talking, I was trying to find the PDF. And I can't find it. Um, that's what I get for coming up with a new system. So um, I got to open it up at the same time so I can see. Uh, what's the attendance? Do you know? I don't um, know if you have that on yours. It's normally at the bottom on those ones. The attendance 100. 100, shocker. Uh, time to t uh, t total time a game, 2 hours and 20 minutes. Uh, 3 p.m. start. Um, yeah. Uh, 80s and sunny. Nice. Yeah, unfortunately, no chance we can ever get to a Friday's game, so we didn't. Um, some of the details for the scoring. Uh, Stonehill opened with a, a home in the center field in the second. I gave him the 2-0 lead. Um, CSU, that was a big inning in the... Uh, actually, CSU scored in the 5th and 7th. 5th was a particularly good inning. Um, but yeah, got away from them in the end. Um, any details on any particular good performances you noticed from either team? Brody Black had three hits. Yeah. Um... Sebastian had two hits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, Brody, um, he had three hits, but there was nobody on base at the time, or nobody within scoring position, so no RBIs, but Sebastian did have uh, two RBIs, I saw, for uh, for that one. Brian had two runs and only had one hit. Mm-hmm, and an RBI. Anybody in particular from Stonehill that stands out? There's yeah. a few, actually. Nobody? Alright, well, Keely, uh, Connor Keeley had two hits, uh, Trey Hall had three, Chris Roberti had two, Ryan Douglas had two, Mike Swanhamo two. So there were several players who had multi-hit games for this one, and uh, Mike Swanhamo also had three RBIs in this one as well. Uh, what about pitching then? Um, Marcus Heron started it, 7.1 innings pitched. Mm -hmm. um, and Rashad Ruff came in with the close. He did. Marcus Herond was uh, set for the win, actually. He had 7.1 innings, uh, 6 earned runs. Um, only one walk again, so great control from Marcus again. Um, went deep. And unlike Rashad, normally, we talked about last week, how normally when Nico comes in, that's game over at that point. And uh, Rashad came in 1.2 innings, 4 earned runs, uh, 2 walks, and a couple of strikeouts in there as well. And threw 46 pitches within those 1.2 innings. So, unfortunately, every pitcher has a bad game at some point in the season. And unfortunately for Coppin, it's kind of been... We had those two games that we saw kind of close together there, so... Yep, um, Rashad took the loss on that one, and Jackie and Ian O'Belly uh, took the win for this one and levels him up for the season at 3-3. Three and three. All right, what about the second game of the season? Oh, now, before we get to the second game, this was the Saturday game, and um, we looked. We would have liked to have gone to this one. We were worried. We didn't know when your baseball game was going to be. They finally announced that it was going to be, I think it was, was it 1 till 3? Something like that? I don't think it was in the morning. Um, but the game for this got pushed backwards. The game got moved from 1 until 5 o'clock, I want to say. I was like, we could make that up. We could easily make it up there. But we also knew that the weather was going to be terrible. So, um, oh, hold on. No, no, no. You didn't play a game at all. Your game, there was no game for you. Most teams play Saturday. For you, it was a day off. So we could have potentially gone, but we saw what the weather was going to be like. And I was like, I don't want to get up there, and then there's thunderstorms, and then the game doesn't happen. And we knew we could make the game on Sunday, so we decided not to go to this one. So, did we make a good choice? What happened in this game? Um, in this game, Stonehill 
lost nine to five. <laughs> I'm gonna do Normally you tell me every single inning first, and then you tell me the details. All right. Um, in the first. Well, I got to do that. No, you didn't do it. Stonehill got three. In uh -huh. the second, Stonehill got one, and Coppin. So they're got already four, four up at this point. No, they're tied. Well, once Coppin got four, then the bottom, then yes, it was four four. Yep. In the third, Coppin got four, and Stonehill got one. So eight five. Yep. In the fifth, Coppin got one, mm -hmm. and they didn't. And have that to was the only other scoring. So that's your nine five that you talked about. Uh, start time in the end, it was five forty five. So it did get delayed again, JJ. But they did manage to get the game in. Uh, two hours and thirty eight minutes, and the attendance is not one hundred because I saw this one. It was two hundred. I was like, man. I was like, on a day when the weather's not good, I said there must be a lot of Stonehill fans for this one. And as we'll probably talk about in the next game, there was a lot of Stonehill fans for this one. Considering it's so far away in Massachusetts, um, you actually asked me at the game, you're like, how far away is it? I was like, I don't know, I don't know. I did I, look I it up for you. I think that they can fit 200. Um, I did look it up. Uh, it's 407 miles from Joe Cannon. So, 6 hours and 25 minutes if the, the conditions are reasonable, okay? Um, and that's without any stops. So, yeah, I don't know why there were so many Stonehill fans, unless just a lot of people from this area send their, <laughs> send their students to Stonehill. I don't know. But, yeah, I was surprised. There was a lot of people there. Um, possibly they made a weekend of it. Um, obviously, they didn't come down on Friday because the attendance was only 100. So, perhaps after work on Friday, they came down, and then they managed to stay for, uh, for both games. Okay, any uh, particular batting performances for this one? Um, not really. Um, Josh and Angel got two hits. Yeah, they did. Um, there was 11 hits, but it was kind of shared out between the team. If you actually, you probably didn't notice, JJ, but every single person had a hit for Coppin. That doesn't um, normally happen. Normally somebody will go over. Uh, nobody actually did on this one. And actually, uh, for Stonehill again, four people with uh, multi-hit games again. Sam Parks this time, uh, Chris Roberti, uh, Mike Swanholm again, and uh, Jack Marshall. So, they, yeah, there was a few within that one. Uh, pitching performances? Uh, Liam um, pitched 2.2 innings. Yeah, mm -hmm. but five runs. Yeek. Nico... Pitched five innings, mm -hmm. gave up no runs. That's more like the Nico that we know, right? Normally he comes in and he's very, and very economical. Timmy Rafino came in and gave up no runs. Yeah, uh, Nico took the win. Uh, Timmy got the save, but um, yeah, I I'm gonna guess there was a situation where you don't. I don't have the exact details, but if Liam pitched two point two, if they brought Nico in, I'm gonna guess there was a situation where. Remember, we already said it was tied at four, right? At the bottom yeah. of the second. I'm going to guess they brought it in just to make sure that they didn't get any extra. Like, you don't want to be 7-4 down, 8-4. Like, I'm not sure how many people were on base. Uh, but obviously, Nico took that um, took the last out, and then they just left Nico in to pitch this one. Um, Nico only pitched 75 pitches, actually, in uh, five innings. Uh, Liam pitched 56 in 2.2. Uh, um, Matt Tymon, who started for Stonehill, pitched 65 pitches in 2.2 innings. Um, he gave up eight earned runs, JJ. So he pitched the same as Liam, uh, but he gave up more runs. So they obviously, um, I'm not sure if they, they probably left him in just a little bit too long. Uh, Matt Tymon took the loss 0-4. Nico's now record is 1-2 for the season. And uh, the rest of the pitches for Stonehill were economical. Uh, Christian Locher, 1.1 uh, innings, 1 earned run. Uh, Andrew Wirtz, 3.1 innings, no earned runs. And uh, Jonathan Rice, 0.2 innings and uh, no earned runs for that one. 
So, um, yeah, so we decided not to go to the game on Saturday. We are also looking at going to New Japan Pro Wrestling as well at one point. And that was at 7 o'clock in D.C. So that was kind of factored into the decision. And then I saw the, I knew how much it was to park. Traffic was really bad, actually, in the evening, as it often is. It was an hour to D.C., an hour back. And then I saw it was on pay-per-view, so we just got the pay-per-view in the end anyway. Um, what about the final one, then, JJ? So we're set up nicely now. Stonehills won one. Coppins won one. This is the game that we went to. Mason could come to this game as well. He didn't have lacrosse because that was on Saturday. So Mason came with us for this one. I think we played a little bit of disc golf first on the way up. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the course. I can't remember. It was in Glen Burnie. Um, I don't remember where it was. I know you liked it because it was a couple of elevated baskets. And um. then um, we, were, we only just made it in time, actually. We had plenty of time, and then we went to Wendy's, and I don't know what Wendy's was doing. They were being, like, really slow. And, uh, yeah, we had to grab our food to take inside. Mason, having not been to Joe Callan before, left his food in the car because he thought you can't... Normally, you can't take food into a stadium. Like, we go so often now, we know you can take your drink in, you can take your food in, all that stuff. All right, tell us about the decider, then. Um, Ari, in the first, Coffin got one, in the second, Stonehill got one, in the... Fourth, Stonehill got one, and in the eighth, Stonehill got two. So, final score? 4-1. Four, 4-1. One. Four, one. Uh, eight hits for Stonehill, and unfortunately, Coffin State only had three hits. So, Mason did not really get to see Stonewall at their best at all. And two errors in the field, it was almost as many errors as there was hits. Um, attendance was 200. And um, quick, a quick game, 2 hours 42. Well, I guess it seemed like it was even quicker. Like, I remember looking down at my clock at one point, thinking, oh, this is going to be a super quick game. It'll be like 2 hours. And I was like, what? Like, time flew for this one for me. Um, I think that's everything. Temperature was 79, so it was a pretty nice day. Uh, the opening, uh, Josh singled through left side to begin the game, but then after that, it's all Stonewall. Um, uh, Swanholm tripled to right center. I've, I've seen, what did I say? You said Stonewall. That's because that was a school that used to be near it. I always get that mixed up. Uh, Swanholm tripled to right center, which started off the scoring. We've seen his name a few times. Uh, Sam Kidder advanced to third on a wild pitch, and uh, Marshall scored. Uh, Tile Gasper singled up the middle, and Swanholm scored. And uh, Connor Keeley um, scored uh, a single through left side, and allowing Tile Gaspar to score. And some of these on here are listed as unearned runs as well, unfortunately. So... Um, any particular batting performances? There was only three hits total, so not much, but there's certainly one standout. Josh got two hits. Yeah, and he had more than the rest of the team combined. So having said that on the previous game, everybody had a hit. Um, on this one, seven people did not have a hit. So, yeah, it just was one of those games. Uh, Brett, Brett had one run. Brett got on base two times, though. So it wasn't... Sometimes if they throw bad pitches, it's not your fault you didn't get a hit. There's not a lot you can do about it. And actually, um, on the other side, Trey was the only person that had a multi-hit game for Stonehill. So this was really a game based on defense. Um, nobody was um, nobody was giving up runs. Uh, defense was playing well. Uh, Ryan Douglas took the win for Stonehill. Seven innings, only one earned run. That, that's going to be that's always good when you can pitch like that. 114 pitches. So he was a workhorse in this one. And then uh, Billy Duff came in for the save uh, for two innings. Uh, what about Coppin State's pitches? Coppin. Uh, for Coppin, Tyler Nichols started for mm -hmm. four innings. Um, he gave up two runs. Mm -hmm. Giovanni came in for 3.2 innings and gave up two runs. All both unearned, though, because they were errors. So he gave up no earned runs. And Timmy Rufino came in for 1.1 innings and gave up no 
Right. And for the strikeouts, Tyler pitched four innings, four strikeouts. Giovanni, three innings, two strikeouts. And uh, Timmy Rufino, three strikeouts in 1.1 innings. He had four outs, and three of them were by strikeouts. So that was pretty dominant. Now, Jay, I looked on my phone. I forgot to do it for the UMass game. Um, I start writing things on my phone. Sometimes you'll talk to me about something. I was like, oh, that's really clever. And then I'll write it down. Or things that I'm going to forget. And um, one of the observations you made in this game, we noticed that Brett's hat falls off a lot. And you actually noticed that the uh, his counterpart on Stonehill, the number five, he went for one of the balls and his hat fell off as well. So you did notice that it seems to be something... And they were both centre fielders. Yeah, both centre fielders, both number five, their hat bounced off. And one of the things in the third, I don't know what happened here. This is when Tyler's still pitching, JJ. Um, it's two outs... And um, the count is one and two. So, Ty um, so Tyler's ahead. He needs one more strike and he's out of the inning. But um, the first pitch, he bounced in front of the plate. Now, obviously, he was trying to get him to uh, throw low in the strike zone and get him to chase a bad one. And he just mistimed it a little bit. But then on the next one, we don't know what happened. You were fetching a ball at this time. I had Mason with me. We think he got a clock violation. Now, I haven't seen the clock anywhere at Coppin State. So I don't know how you know. But suddenly, it was, uh, three, it was uh, three and two. And then, unfortunately, he he walked the neck, he walked the batter, so it ended up with bases being loaded. However, from that person, it went ball, swinging strike, ball, and a pop up to end the inning. But we have no idea what happened in the third. We could not figure it out. Um, bottom of the fourth, there was no outs. Um, runners on first and second. You were fetching a ball at this point as well. Brian dropped a beautiful bunt down the first base line, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be bases. Actually, I think there was one out. I think it's going to be bases loaded with one outs, and then all of a sudden, the guy made a spectacular throw, picked, chased it in quickly, threw it to third, got Josh out on third, and then suddenly it was runners on first and second again, but now there was two outs, and um, th I think there was a strikeout to end that inning. Um, I did see a name in between innings that I was going to look up, and I didn't look up, so I'm going to do this off the top of my head. A player called Jofeni Brown. Now, I'm going to guess you've never heard of that player, because I hadn't either. No. Um, he played for the Dodgers in, I want to say it was the 60s, and then he kind of picked up an injury, and then he kind of left baseball. But he became a stuntman in uh, Hollywood, and that's what he's famous for now. Like, he was one of the first African-American stuntmen in Hollywood. Uh, he appeared in films like uh, Speed. Now, I know you're not going to recognize that film. Uh, it's got Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock in it, but there's a Keanu very famous Reeves. scene. Well, you know the name. There's a very famous scene where they're in a bus and they can't slow down. And they're going along the freeway so they can just not... If they slow down below a certain speed, a bomb goes off. So they have to keep going at like 50, 60 miles an hour or whatever the speed is. And they come to a point on the freeway where they're clearing everybody out. And then they become to an end. There's a gap in the freeway where they haven't quite completed it yet. So they have to speed up so they can jump over and then land on the other side. He was the driver in that scene. I was like, oh my god, that's really cool. Like, I recognize Jeffany Brown's work. So yeah, he's been a stuntman for a lot of people. Samuel L. Jackson, I think it said. Morgan Freeman. A lot of different people. But really, really cool guy. And I meant to look it up. And Jay, this week's been busy. I never got around to it. So I didn't. Uh, but that's what I remember of Jeffany Brown. Um, something interesting happened um, between the end of the top of the 7th and the bottom of the 7th. Which we've never had happen, I don't think, in a Coppin State game before. Jackson doesn't oh, remember. Yeah, they, they played um, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. They did. I don't think I've ever heard that at Coppin State. I don't know why, but obviously they have the music, unless it took them until this, until the middle of April to find the music. So I don't know if that's going to be a regular thing. I don't know if they only do it on Sundays. We normally go on Saturdays, to be honest. So is it just a Sunday thing? Don't know. But well, I thought that. on some Sunday games and they have another. 
I, we've been to one other Sunday game for sure, but we more regularly don't go on Sundays. I went to a doubleheader on Sunday once. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I know also, though, on the... Oh, I forgot to mention this part to you as well. So I actually did see on Friday some of the game. Um, it was on video because I was looking to see what the score was and you could watch it. So in the eighth inning, I um, actually watched it and that's unfortunately where it got away from Coppin State. So that was kind of bad. But I was like, oh, on Saturday, I was like, Jay, even if we don't go to the game, we can watch some of it on video. No video for Saturday. So I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if that's just somebody who films it and perhaps that person wasn't available on the Saturday. So yeah, so like they don't always play Take Me Out to the Ball game, perhaps they don't always record all the games, but I'm not sure. So yeah, they recorded Friday, and you can watch it live, Saturday they did not, so we could not. And the last thing I wrote down, we don't know the answer to this one either, you normally tell me like, oh I got a foul ball, I gave it to whoever was out there at the time, I gave it to Kevin, or I gave it to uh, Corey, and I remember, I remember specifically you said those two for the Sunday game. And then on the other one, I was like, who do you give it to? And you're like, I don't know. I was like, what number were they? And you're like, number 18. And I was like, number yeah, 18? They were wearing 18. And we looked on the roster. There is no number 18. So I have no idea who that player is or coach or whoever. I, I don't know. I'm wondering if it's a jersey from a previous year then, perhaps. No, I thought it was a jersey um, that a coach wore before. But oh, it was? But Oh, you said that. Didn't you say he switched with 10 or something? Um, sometimes he's 10 and sometimes he's 18. Those, um, the, the coach with the glasses, Okay. Um, the first base one, uh-huh. he wore 10, then 18, and now he's like 30-something. Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad that you just mentioned coach, because I didn't mention, I didn't write this down in my notes at all, and you don't have, you wouldn't have said anything, and we were about to get into our Red Sox review. You said at the end, uh, before the end, before the game was going on, coach saw you and said, don't leave, I got something for you. And you actually mentioned that before. You said, next time I see you, I have something for you. And um, anyway, so he called you down. And I was like, go ahead, go ahead. We can see. You went in through that side entrance where we did. Mason and I walked around. And then suddenly we saw you go into the dugout. And anyway, we saw you have your... So what did you get? What did Coach give to you? Um, he gave me a backpack, uh-huh. a shirt, a bucket hat. Uh-huh. Oh, it's cool. I would say that backpack is beautiful. Um, you were using it for school this week. And then we saw you go into the dugout, but we saw the coaches were on the outside kind of talking to each other. So we were like, I don't know what's happening. And we're like, I wonder what JJ's doing. And then, well, Mason and I were joking. We're like, did they get you to sweep up like all the peanuts, <laughs> peanut shells and sunflower seeds? And I was like, I don't know what happened. And then the coaches disappeared as well. And Mason and I must have been waiting for like over 30 minutes. Like, we couldn't see where you were. I was like, is he okay? Like, um, I um, direct messaged one of the coaches. I was like, um, is Jackson going to be long? We had to get home because we had dinner. But I was like, if you're doing something fun, I don't want to stop. But we had no idea what you were doing. Um, coach only mentioned he had to give you something. I didn't know what was going on. So what the heck happened? How were you gone for about 30 minutes? They took me into the locker room for the player meeting. And I think they did it in the locker room because they had... Because they lost. Ah, because sometimes they'll do it on the field. Yeah, right? they, when they win, they go onto the field. Uh-huh. Right? I think it probably depends on the weather as well. That might be part of it, but I don't no, know. because Stonehill went to right field. It was, uh, well, that's true. Oh, okay. I hadn't even thought went. about that. So, I don't actually... But that was I like, remember at Navy, they won. Uh-huh. And they were on the field. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if that's a home and away thing though as well. So I don't know. Anyway, when you finally came out, coaches all smiles, and I was like, I, I thanked him for the backpack, and we kind of made a few comments. And uh, I think coach's comment was, I think he said he, he said he wanted you with him because if you were in there, then he wouldn't say any bad words, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. So um, yeah, it was an unexpected loss. Um, they were the they did have the worst record in the NEC and they actually won the series two to one. They actually and as of last week, JJ, they still had the worst record in the NEC even after winning those two games. So they had three wins. Uh, Coppin State had five wins. Uh, UMass had five wins. Um, Norfolk State might have had five wins, but it might have been four as well. So um, I think when I looked, there was four teams below Coppin State. So, um, yeah, it was a surprising one. And, um, of course, we already talked about it. next week. They got, well, our next episode, it's Central Connecticut State. We already know the result from Friday because uh, we looked at it, but we'll talk about that on the next episode. And, um, yeah, I think that was everything. But, yeah, oh, oh you did it's take... Not. So what's your backpack like, then? What's um, your backpack it's like? It's like uh, a backpack. <laughs> it's got all stitching on it. It's got Nike. I think it looks like it says Trout on the top. I don't know if that's... It does. Okay, so that's clearly Mike Trout as well. But that wasn't the only thing you got given either, though, because as you finally came out as well... Um, Josh said hi, and he gave uh -huh. me an arm sleeve. He did, yeah. You said it's very big. I was like, well, it yeah, it you're... It goes up to my shoulder. You're nine years old, so you said you were going to try it on your leg. <laughs> no, Mason said that. I thought oh. it was not. Okay. Now, I think one other thing we should talk about, which I don't have in my notes then, um, the first, your first game then, it wasn't on Saturday, it was on Tuesday. So, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> so, tell us about your game on Tuesday then. Okay. Something happened that I didn't, I didn't know you were going to be playing this position. Um, on Tuesday, I was be. I was behind home plate as catcher, uh -huh. and I played catcher for three innings. Now, you said before, when you got a chance to practice, you literally only had like two or three pitches, right? It was two. Yeah, and that was it. So, um, how did you get to be starting catcher then? With and coach didn't even tell us. I said that I wanted to be that I wanted to try catching. Okay, so why didn't why wasn't the catcher catching though? because. Uh, um, the catcher was pitching. Ah, so our starting catcher is also our starting pitcher as well. So I guess going forward, when no, he's he pitching... No, he was the second pitcher. Well, he was the second. The first guy only had one inning, and then he kind of came in for second, third, and fourth. But yes. So I guess whenever he's pitching in the future then... Well, assuming you liked it, what I'm was it like? I'm going to be pitching my next game. What was it like? What was um, the catching experience like? What did you learn? What was it? Well, Obviously, I, you weren't expecting to catch. I learned not to do what Coppin State has done before. <laughs> Which is? Go to second base when there's a runner on the Ah, base. so um, there was different runners, and um, yes, you tried to throw to second, because you saw him running, but then the guy from third scored. So we got to watch out for that. But I also, if they're over halfway there, you just got to eat it. you just got to get it back to the catcher, uh, the pitcher, and let them decide. I also learned if there's a, there's a pop fly mm -hmm. to rip off my mask. Yep run to it yep. and grab the And try and catch it. It's actually more difficult in Little League to do that yeah, because they don't hit it as hard, so it doesn't go up as high, which means it comes down quicker. So you don't have as long to react as probably what the college players do, the high school players. Oh, yeah, but also on college, they wear like... um. Like a coach helmet, uh -huh. um, and it's like backwards, and then they have uh -huh. the mask over. So they have two things. I just wear the mask. Yeah, so you only so have one So it's harder thing. to rip off. Oh, and plus okay. that would hurt my hair. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the knee protectors like? Um, The knee protector is... How um, do they the one, feel? Um, like, it kind of feels like bulky. Uh-huh. Um, and that's because it has like a knee saver on the back. Knee saver, yeah, not yeah, knee protector. Um, 
but on um, I noticed that college players don't have it. Some don't. Yeah, some people do, some people don't. Um, I think it might just slow you down. So I think that might be part of it. So it might be more painful. But it's better. But for, it means you can run. But quicker. it's better for literally, cause like you don't want um your knee to hurt a lot. You don't, cause literally players complain a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> I catch for three innings straight. You did. You did. Uh, you did a good job. At first, I didn't know how to wear the catching glove, cause it only had three finger holes oh, in the thumb pocket. Oh. It's like a pitching glove because you have to put your finger on the outside. Oh, I didn't think I don't think I knew that actually, huh? Um, the other one that was funny from our perspective was obviously once they, the cat the pitcher throws it to you, uh, if the person misses it, you get it, and then you get up and then you throw the ball back to the the, the pitcher. Um, there was one when he threw it to he threw it, you caught it, you turned around, threw it to the umpire, and the umpire gave it back. Is like, uh, yeah, you need to throw it back. Now, unfortunately, I stopped the video it's too quick. Because I thought he gave the ball to the pitcher already. No, that's your job. <laughs> that's what your job is. But sometimes if, if it's it... in the dirt, it's different. Like if it was in the dirt and it was dirty then you can give it to the umpire he'll give you a different ball and then you'll throw the clean ball out but but wouldn't it just get covered in dirt anyway because it went back through the air if it's no, traveling like it through the back. air and you it'll catch like, it no then it'll get like you no know, sometimes like like that um that sometimes the ball would go past you but in the air and well if like, it goes past it you then you can switch it with the umpire like hey look um, this is dirty can you switch this one out for me and then you throw your new ball back to the pitcher that's not the umpire's yeah, job to throw the, the ball back MLB, um, i think the exception is if you can't if you're fixing something like if you're tying a lace or if you're adjusting your pads or something to speed the game up while you're doing that then the umpire will sometimes throw it back to the pitcher but no that's generally that's generally your job um, and yeah. what about in the field what about as you're batting how did you batting go um, it was there. <laughs> I only was got a, on base once. You actually had a powerful hit. Um, it was a fielder's choice, so it didn't count as a hit. But you hit it strongly towards second. The guy caught it, and oh, not caught it. He ground ground ball. He got the ball and then stepped on second. Unfortunately, there was a runner on first. If there hadn't have been a runner on first, you, pro I think you would have been safe actually. So that was kind of one of those situational ones. And the second one, I think you. Oh yeah, you struck out because I said you did a Vlad Guerrero senior on moment. Huh? It bounced in front of the plate, and you still swung at it. And um, then unfortunately, you did the same and gave him. Yeah, you're giving them too many cheap strikes so um but yeah we got to watch for that unfortunately if they throw bad pitches you got to avoid them but you were you were excited to get you were trying to get a hit you wanted to be part of the game but as i think i've explained this to you you also said the thing you were most excited for trying to do was to steal and you can't steal unless you get on base but if they throw in balls you're gonna get on base so i think you got to be a little bit more patient and then you can steal little league and, pitchers don't have that much accuracy. and there was a lot of stealing going on and we didn't realize this one you can steal home you can steal home. Yeah, I if don't, it's a pass ball. I don't remember that goes, happening. No, if it goes past the... Yeah. No, once I was like, I was casting, it went behind me. Yeah, and I then they I ran to grab it. He, he, um, he was running through it. The pitcher didn't go. The pitcher didn't cover. So and I'm I surprised. I'm surprised because that guy's experienced catcher and he's an experienced pitcher. So he's probably the most experienced player on the team. So I was kind of surprised that he didn't cover. Um, I think he was more disappointed that he threw a bad pitch, and then by the time he realized he was supposed to cover home, it was too late. So yeah, you got to be uh, you got to be quick. Exactly. But you can see now why you want to keep the ball in front of you, right? Yes. So cause sometimes you didn't know where it was. Like if they catch it, where is it? So yeah, if you can just block it or do anything you can to keep it in front of you. Mason told me if um. At, like if it goes like down and you get the ball, uh -huh. like jump up. You want to jump like up? Yeah. And then 
throw it back to the pitcher. You can, yeah. Just you, so that um, it doesn't, just so that the person doesn't steal. Correct. You can pretend that you can do it. Sometimes if coach has already sent them, though, if coach tells you you got to steal, you got to steal. Okay? And if you're out, then that's on coach. That's on the coach. But no, if they tell you to steal, but you're if, probably going to But go. if the catcher is already up, Coach says, steal? I'm not stealing because he's already up. And that's what he's going to throw it Correct. fast. And that's why we told you you got to get up because you were kind of just staying crouched or you were kneeling at one point as well. And we're like, yeah, you're not going to do a powerful throw from kneeling. So you kind of, that's why you have to do the crouching. I know that hurts, but you got to be able to get up quicker. And if you're crouched, and plus, you can sometimes, get up quicker. And plus, sometimes I'm wobbly when I'm crouched. Uh huh. So, like, um, I'm deciding if I crouch, I'm going to put my hand on the ground to stabilize uh -huh. me. There you go. So, when, and. I saw um, in um, in the college game mm -hmm. that the person was crouched. Mm -hmm. He had his hand behind his glove. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was so that he could get his hand to the ball quicker. Yes, because we told you put your hand behind your back because you don't want it to hit your finger and break well, a finger or something. Why don't you just put it behind the glove? Um, you can, but that can make you a little bit more off balance. It kind of helps you. If you've got one hand in front of you, like if you're trying to balance, if you've got something in front of you, you want something behind you as well to balance it up. If you have everything in front of you, you're not as balanced. So I think that's part of it. And that was from the game yesterday. That wasn't from you watching uh, Noah or from watching uh, Mike or anything like that. Is there anything in there? I guess you might be watching them a little more closely now, possibly, going forwards. Probably. Now you, <laughs> now you know you're probably going to be catching a little bit. Alright, Red Sox update. Our last episode we didn't, and Orioles update. Why do last I time, do the Red Sox update? You, I can, do, you can do the Orioles and I can do the Red Sox then, okay? Alright. Um, it was 4-4. Four and four. Um, Both teams were tied, so here we go. Here's the game since that. So do you want to talk about so, the Orioles? So this is the Orioles at the top. Orioles at the top, yep. Alright, they faced New York and they lost 5-3. to three. They yes. faced Oakland. Um, They lost, they won 5-1. to one. They faced Oakland again. They they won twelve to eight. Mm -hmm. They lost to Oakland eight to four. Oakland's gonna be one of the worst teams this year. And they won eight to seven against Oakland. Mm -hmm. They won six to three against Chicago. They lost seven to six in the tenth inning to Chicago. Ouch. And they won eight to four against Chicago. Is this the White Sox or the Cubs? Uh White Sox. Okay. Because they're playing everybody now. Normally, mm -hmm. I would assume it's the White Sox because that's American League. Mm -hmm. They play against every team now. Um, they faced the Nationals. They won one to zero, and they won four to zero against. Um, and then they won two and one against Detroit. Yeah, Nationals. That was kind of the I ninety five battle this year. Actually, I should have realized it is definitely the White Sox. Although they play every team, I don't think they play um, multiple games. I think it's just a, I think it's just a single game for this. So currently, then, um, based on this, as of Friday night, uh, you guys record twelve and seven. My goodness, that's impressive. All right, the Red Sox. Um, they beat Detroit. They then got swept by Tampa Bay four to zero. I think Tampa Bay after that series were thirteen and zero. I think they're currently 17 and 3, so Tampa Bay is going to be a good team this year. Um, they then won the first three against Los, Ange Los Angeles 5 to 3, 9 to 7, 2 to 1, and the, probably the reason they lost the Monday game, that was against Shohei. Shohei was pitching. Um, he didn't take the win, Davidson took the win. Uh, 5 to 4, close game. Uh, they beat Minnesota 5 4 in 10. They then lost to Minnesota 10 to 4. And then they beat Minnesota 11-5. And then yesterday, they actually slapped, um, stopped Milwaukee's streak. I think Milwaukee were four in a row unbeaten. And they built and beat Milwaukee at the Brewer Stadium 5-3. Uh, to three. So, actually, the Red the Sox are... Still goes 
the Red Sox are 11 and 10 right now. Um, so they have a winning record and they're last in the division. Man, the American League East is brutal. Um, yeah, some teams, uh, when Wait, I looked. Are the Red Sox in my division? Yes, yes. Oh. Some teams, when I looked, um, I think in some divisions, the Red Sox would have been second. That's how tough the American League uh, East is. And coming up for the Red Sox, only because. Not, I know you didn't do this, but there's a reason why. Um, they got two more against Milwaukee, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the Red Sox are actually in Baltimore. Um, well, that's going to be tough because we got school, obviously. Um, Monday, it's uh, Chris Sale versus uh, Kramer. Uh, Sale pitched really well the other day. That was the game when they came back um, in 10 innings. Um, it looked like they were going to lose, but then the bat started firing up and Sale pitched a good game. Uh, Corey Clubber versus Kyle Bradish on Tuesday. And Tanner Houck versus... I'm not sure who Wells is for Orioles. I don't remember. Fargo? <laughs> Did you say Fargo? Wait, no. <laughs> That's Wells Fargo. That's a bank. That's definitely not the picture. Um, tickets as low as $13 for Monday's game. And $13 for Tuesday. And uh, $14 for Wednesday. Jackson, I would love to go to one of those games. I Wait, was hoping that it was on... Game? I was hoping it was going to be on like a Saturday. So we could go to like the Coppin State game. And then go to the Orioles game in the evening. But yeah. that's not going to happen. Uh, six thirty-five. Like that's that. not three-hour game and an hour and a half back. Yeah, sure, we can get back at eleven o'clock and then get stuck getting shower and then get ready for bed and then I have to get up by like five thirty. So I don't think it's going to be happening. I think we'll probably be watching the highlights, but that's it. All right, I don't see a musical instrument in your hand, so I guess there's no outro today. <laughs>